This is Richard Ellis Talks with founding pastor of Reunion Church in the heart of downtown Dallas, Richard Ellis. This is a place for encouragement and hope as Richard challenges us to continue to grow in Jesus. And all month long, he's focused on holiday themes as we share the 25 Talks of Christmas. Now, if you're not able to stay with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up on the 25 Talks of Christmas Advent Calendar on the website, richardellistalks.com. Every talk can be listened to whenever you're ready on your own time at richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Boy Wonder. Let me tell you a story before we jump in here. I got a very unusual gift from the staff, and I'm not going to reveal all of it, but I opened the box that they had prepared for me for Christmas, and I'm not going to show you everything they gave me, but one of the things that was in this box was a cape. They gave me a card, and I was referred to as Reunion Man. There were black leotards that were full body leotards, little red boxer shorts, and another R on there, and they thought it was funny. So, so if anybody feels the need for speed, you can try this on and see if you can fly, but I thank them, I think, for sharing that with me. Now, I am no boy wonder, and I appreciate the gift, but let me tell you something, there is a boy wonder in the book. And sometimes, you know, around Christmas time, people do this thing about Christmas and then they just jump to something else and don't finish the story because there are a lot of things that happen right after Christmas and some of them are in Matthew, they're all through the Gospels, but there's something that happens in Luke that is pretty interesting. And I want you to look at Luke chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 21. We got God on the planet, Jesus is born of a virgin, he's in this manger, but some things happen, some technical things happen, and part of the reason I'm going to share this with you is it is very important for you to see part of what we're going to look at today is the importance of obedience, of following through, of daily stuff. You just can't have big events every once in a while and say, well, I'm going to take a week off or a few days off. It's about every day tracking with God, obeying God, listening to God, and doing what He tells you to do. And when you do that, certain dominoes fall and things come into place. When you don't do that, there's consequence. And one of the great things that I watch here in the life, not just of Jesus, because at this point, it's hard to imagine God helpless. But you've got God, you know, in heaven, the Father, but you've got the Son, Jesus, on the planet in this few hour old, few day old little body. I mean, he's not, you know, when they're not looking, you know, doing wild things. I mean, he's just this little baby. And he's got to be nursed like every other little baby. He's got to be changed like every other little baby. He's got to be held. He's got to be rocked. He's got to be sung to, whatever works. I mean, you know, you think if he was a perfect child and he never cried, you know, there's certain things that babies do even when they're perfect, you know, just natural things. You got to take care of this baby. But Mary and Joseph, the stepfather and the mother were responsible for this child. And there were certain things that had to happen to Jesus that they relied on him to do. And one of these things you'll see here is in verse 21. When eight days were completed, he's born. And within eight days, something has to happen. When eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus. They named him at the circumcision. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. You know what, let me just jump. We're going to go to the Old Testament now, and i got to read you some background, and then we'll go on in verse 22. Go to Leviticus chapter 12, verse 1. 
Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, and here's where you get this, If a woman has conceived and born a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days, as in the days of her customary impurity she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. She shall then continue in the blood of her purification thirty-three days. Now, I'm reading you all this technical stuff for a reason. Every day counts in God's plan. She's supposed to wait that period of time, 33 days. She shall not touch any hallowed thing nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purification are fulfilled. But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean two weeks as in her customary impurity, and she shall continue in the blood of her purification 66 days. When the days of her purification are fulfilled, whether for a son or a daughter, now watch this, whether she has a son or a daughter, she shall bring to the priest a lamb of the first year as a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove as a sin offering to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And just briefly here, a burnt offering, when someone brought this offering to the temple, a burnt offering was burnt. I mean, it was completely consumed. In, in most of the sacrifices, at least part of the animal or whatever was brought was burned. But in a burnt offering, this sacrifice consumed, whether if it was a cow, the whole cow got burned. And just to really briefly do this, if you had sin in your life, something had happened, then what you would do with a burnt offering sacrifice, if it was a lamb, you would place your hand on the head of the lamb. And you would basically identify with that lamb before God and say, Everything that I deserve, this lamb is going to get. And I am sacrificing this lamb in my place and acknowledging that I have done it, but the lamb is going to take the place and be completely consumed by this sacrifice. Now, on the other hand, you could have a sin offering. Maybe it could be a sin of omission or something of commission, something you did, something you're just covering your bases, basically. And you had sinned something and you weren't aware, maybe, and you just wanted to be sure before you came to God that you had offered some sacrifice. Well, it's spelled out here when a child is born, you bring to the priest a lamb of the first year as a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove, one of those two, as a sin offering to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Verse 7, then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. Now watch this. This is not for the baby. It's for the mom. The mom is coming making sacrifice for herself, a burnt offering and a sin offering. And she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who is born a male or a female. Now watch verse 8. And if she is not able to bring a lamb, what if you're so poor you can't bring a lamb? Then she may bring two turtle doves. Does that sound familiar? There's no French hens, but a couple of turtle doves do apply. Two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one as a burnt offering and the other as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for her and she will be clean. Now go back over to Luke 2. Now let me start reading verse 21 again. Now she knew this. Mary and Joseph, Jewish family raised, they knew all about this stuff. So they're going to do what's supposed to be done. So again, verse 21, and when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification, how many days? 33 days. When the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And I think this is fascinating. How do you bring the Lord to present him to himself? But they brought Jesus to present him to the Father, basically here, God the Father in Jerusalem. That's just what they're supposed to do. 
they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, I got a question for you. Where's the lamb? Now, for one thing, they were too poor to bring a lamb. So they brought two turtle doves or two pigeons. But my contention is this. They brought the lamb too. And I read these verses before and some of you are very familiar, some of you are not. John 1, you can turn there, you can just listen. This is when Jesus was about to be baptized. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 1 Peter 1, 18 says this, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from the aimless conduct received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And by the way, if you go back over to Leviticus 1.10, it says this, if his offering is of the flocks of the sheep or of the goats as a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring a male without blemish. Not the lousiest lamb you can find out in your herd. You bring the best you got. And when Mary and Joseph showed up, they were too poor to bring a lamb. But whether they knew it or not, they were bringing the lamb anyway. And Jesus was taken to Jerusalem. Now, I'm obviously recommending you read the Bible. And we emphasize this, prayer, read the Bible, get together, you know, all these things that we do as a church. But guys, I'm telling you, don't just read it and blow through it. Slow down. If you're in love with somebody and you're separated from them a great distance, and you got that letter, and if you think it smelled, you smelled it, and you opened it carefully, and you unfolded it, and you looked at it, and you read it, and you'd stop and reread it, and you'd give it some time. Why? Because it was sent from someone that you love and that loves you. You've got to slow down with this God. And you've got to read this book as though it's a love letter written to you and say, God, what are you trying to show me and tell me? There's more detail here than will ever meet the eye if you just skim the surface and blow over it. But Jesus was born and within a matter of days was in Jerusalem. And every year he would go back, every year, every year. He and the disciples, when he was 30, 31, 32, probably every one of those years, as far as we can tell, he was back in Jerusalem. From his birth, he was going to the city where he would die. And whether his mom understood it, I think she did. Whether she knew exactly where he would die or how he would die, she had brought, within 33 days of his birth, had brought not only the turtle dove or the pigeons, but she had brought the lamb that was slain, the Bible says, from the foundation of the world, ultimately the sacrifice for our sins and those of the world. Now, I want to keep reading here in verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. One way to look at it, the rabbis looked at it of the messianic salvation. In other words, he was waiting for Messiah to come. The rabbis called the Messiah the consoler, the comforter. And the Holy Spirit turns out to be the comforter. But they were waiting for somebody to console them, to comfort them, to be the one to come and be this consolation of Israel. Now, without going too far off on this, Jewish people back then were waiting for the consolation of Israel. They were waiting for Messiah to come. Christians today are not waiting for him to come. We're waiting for him to come back. But this guy is watching and waiting. He is a devout man, a just man, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. This was a great godly man. And it had been revealed to him. And look at this. And people, I'm going to warn you to be very careful with this kind of stuff. 
because this is a devout, just man, godly man, the Holy Spirit's on him, and something happened to him that I'm not saying cannot happen to anybody else, but you better be darn sure that it has happened before you start saying something like this. Because the Holy Spirit says to him, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now imagine getting that message. For hundreds and hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, the whole creation, everybody, everything's waiting. You know, Jesus coming back. He's coming to earth, waiting for Messiah. And here's this guy waiting, waiting, waiting anyway. But the Holy Spirit kind of whispers in his ear and says, you know what? Here's the deal. You're not going to die until he gets here. Imagine how you wake up every day knowing that. Where is he? Maybe it's today. I'm an old man. I'm going to die, but I know I'm not dying until I see it. So you're watching, you're waiting. Now he knew, if he knew anything about the scriptures, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. He's not going to show up on the planet. He's going to come as a newborn, born of a virgin means he's got to be an infant, right? So this guy's got his eyes and ears open. Maybe I'll catch him when he's a newborn. Maybe he's a few days or years old. I don't know. But he goes into the temple. Let's keep reading here. You'll see what happens. So it's revealed to him. You'll not see death before you see the Lord's Christ or the Messiah. So he came by the spirit into the temple. Now, let me just stop and camp here just a second. There are a couple things going on here. First of all, the obedience of Mary and Joseph to do what they knew to be the right thing to do. And that was to have him circumcised, number one, in their culture, in their tradition, according to the law. And secondly, to go to Jerusalem on the day they were supposed to go, be there and do what they were supposed to do. And it had happened with Joseph. The taxation came. Joseph knew I got to go to his hometown, Bethlehem. He gets there. Now the Messiah is born in the right place because he's obeying. Time to go to Jerusalem. They go to Jerusalem. They're in the right place. And God is working in completely different lives. Where one guy, the Holy Spirit has said, you're not going to die till you see this baby, till you see this Christ. And Joseph and Mary just doing their business, going where they're supposed to be. And they end up in the same place by chance, not on your life. And when it says here that he came by the spirit into the temple, it's the same thing that ought to be happening to you and me every day of our lives, especially if we're Christians. You shouldn't be going anywhere unless you're going in the spirit or by the spirit. You decide to go to lunch. You know, where are you going to lunch? You say, Richard, you know, don't go off on this stuff. Just eat. You know what? Ask him. What does it hurt? (laughs) It's not about audible voices. You get directed. If you're listening, you're going to hear. If you're asking, he's going to tell you. If you're knocking, he's going to open. This stuff works. And if you'll just obey and submit and follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life, it isn't about food and drink. It's about people. It's about his kingdom. And I don't think these things are by chance. I think God puts us in people's lives and them in our lives for a reason. So pay attention. This guy is a just, devout, godly man. The Holy Spirit is on him. Now the Holy Spirit is in you if you're a believer. So you can walk in the Spirit as Galatians 5.16 talks about. And it had been revealed to him. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. So God says to Simeon, go to the temple now. Not tomorrow, not later, now. And what does he do? He goes. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Mary and Joseph, they're just taking care of business. It's just what you do with the kid. You go to the temple. So they go to the temple doing what they're supposed to be doing. Simeon responds to the spirit, the directing of the spirit. He goes to the temple. Simeon sees the baby. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, now, how does he know that baby is the baby? Just another baby. I'm telling you, there's more turtle doves flying and dying and, you know, this stuff going on. There's lots of babies get born every day. And they show up every day. How is some guy going to walk in the temple and look at one baby and go, that's the Messiah. It's a screaming, wet baby like anybody else probably. 
But something about this baby, and somehow he knew that this was different. This was the one. Now look what happens. He takes him up in his arms. You know, it is one thing to imagine God holding you, but it's a whole other thing to imagine holding God. Can you imagine what it was for Mary and the people who grew up around this baby to hold God in their arms, the God of the universe in a man? You talk about being afraid of dropping a baby, man. That is the ultimate fear right there. (laughs) He took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, now listen to this old man who's been given a promise and finally relief. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now imagine somebody's holding your baby and saying something like this. There's a song out there, if you remember back, I think in the 1800s, called the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Little phrases in there that sound similar. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. And then down the last verse, in the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free while God is marching on. And here Simeon is holding this baby, looking up at God, probably saying, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Now, who are the Gentiles? Unless you're a Jew, you are a Gentile. And Simeon knows who this baby is, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Why do you need light? What does light do? It chases out darkness. And the implication here is that Gentiles are in the dark. Now, there were some Jews in that day who were in the dark, too, and needed this light as much as the Gentiles. But the fact that he even mentioned the Gentiles, Jesus came first to the Jew and then to the Greek, the Gentile beyond that. And Jesus came, as it says here, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, to reveal what's missing to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now, look at verse 33. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Imagine these things being said about your baby. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now, let me stop here and talk about Mary a second. I in no way, and I know we have people who come from a lot of different backgrounds, I in no way want to disparage or minimize the importance of Mary. But let me just briefly throw this in here. If Mary is sinless, why is she going to Jerusalem to offer two turtle doves or two pigeons as burnt or sin offerings for her? It is not about Mary being all that equal to God. She doesn't have to be equal to God to carry God to raise this child. She has sin to deal with like everybody else, or she would never have had to make these sacrifices and taken the baby and herself and made the sacrifices. Verse 36, and it's interesting how the scripture includes a man here who sees him, Simeon, and then Anna. Look at this great lady. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, and that's a very tactical way to say somebody's like a really old lady, but say no. She's just of a great age. 
She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. So she was married seven years and then he died. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years, a lady of great years, married for a while, lost her husband, and then for 84 years by herself. And look at the next phrase, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day, had completely devoted herself to God. And for all those years, never left the temple, but night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord. All of a sudden, you know, if your antenna are not up, you're going to miss some stuff. You got spiritual antenna, you got spiritual radar. God lives in you. And if you're listening and paying attention, you're going to see things that other people don't see. You're going to be aware of things happening. You're going to respond when he speaks and he's working. God is always, when he prompts me or you to do something and say something, he is always working on the other side. He is not going to make a fool of you. Well, I can't say that. Sometimes you do feel kind of foolish because you don't know he's working on the other side. But he knows what he's doing. And you've got to pray for boldness and be willing just in an instant, whatever he says, to do that and to respond because you're missing stuff every day all around you. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Now, we are still before the cross at this point. But this woman sees this baby, figures out who he is, thanks God and everybody that she would talk to who was looking forward to the redemption, to the payment being made to redeem Israel, to redeem anybody, everybody. She's looking forward to it. Everybody who'd ask about it, she'd say, what? I've seen that baby. He's on the planet. He's here. It's now. It may be in our lifetime. It's come to pass. There's no more waiting. He is on the planet. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, I've referred to him today as boy wonder. Let me read you the definition for wonder. A cause of astonishment or admiration, marvel, a miracle, the quality of exciting, amazed admiration, rapt attention or astonishment at something awesomely mysterious or new to one's experience, a feeling of doubt or uncertainty. Everybody who saw this child wondered at who he was. Some were skeptical, even his own stepbrothers and sisters. For a few of them, till after he was dead, buried, raised from the dead, they still didn't get it, but finally realized who he was. Sooner or later, you're going to find out who this boy wonder is. And when you hear about him in, in the same way that Simeon and Anna, these people who were around him and saw him and recognized him, something inside them caused them to thank God, to praise him, to be astonished at what they had heard and seen. And in a place like this today, or somebody listening today, wherever you are, you say, something stirs inside of me. This is not just another baby. This is not just another kid. This is not just another child born to some family. This is it. This is the Messiah. And you say, well, how do you know when that happens? Let me tell you something. You know. And it's something that I can pray that will happen to you, but it's something I cannot make happen to you. In the same way that I can't make you obey the Holy Spirit when the Spirit moves and says, go to a place or say a thing or speak to a person or call somebody or write a note, whatever he tells you to do. It's just something you got to respond to. And in one way, at this point in the process, it's one of the most awesome privileges of my life is to present the story and tell you about this wonder boy, this boy wonder but on the other hand, it's one of the most frustrating things because no matter how excited I am or how much I know who he is and who he was and will continue to be, 
unless you get it and you respond to it. To you, he'll just be another baby. But I can tell you this, there'll never be anybody, any boy, any woman, anybody ever again who will change your life like this baby, like this Jesus. And it's not just about giving him your eternity, it's about giving him your life between here and heaven and saying, God, work in me, work through me, use me to show the world who you are through me, for my sake, for their sake, but ultimately for his sake. Thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. So many people like you tell us that Richard's unique way of boiling down God's truths and making his word clear and easy to apply to our daily life is what sets this program apart from everything else on your radio, helping to reach everyone together with God's good news. In fact, reaching everyone together is not only Pastor Richard's ministry mission, but it's also the mission that Jesus commands each believer when he gave us our marching orders in Mark 16, 15, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So that's what these daily talks are all about, to encourage and equip us to be a light of hope to others this Advent season. Now, during the 25 Talks of Christmas this month, it's a different holiday-themed program each and every day. So if you miss any previous Christmas talk, just click on the daily Advent calendar at richardellistalks.com to listen to, download, or share any of these Christmas talks. It's right there on the homepage at richardellistalks.com. And while you're on the website, be sure to surf around for hundreds of other encouraging audio and video talks, tons of interesting blogs, or to submit a request on the prayer wall, or to follow us on social at Talk With Richard, and much more. It's all right there at richardellistalks.com, alongside the Daily Christmas Talks Advent Calendar. So as we wrap up, thank you for listening today, and thank you for praying for Richard. As we look forward to coming alongside you again for the next of our 25 Talks of Christmas on Richard Ellis Talks.